0: Hey everybody, this is Chad Daniels and you have landed in the middle of somewhere. Hello, thanks for coming back. Thanks for joining us. Maybe it's Monday, maybe it's Friday. I don't give a shit. I'm just glad you're listening. Across from me, this is three weeks in a row. Maybe, we don't know if we're going in order. But I'll tell you this, across from me, Cyrus Amundsen.
1: Hello everybody, my name is Cy Amundsen and welcome to the middle of somewhere. This is my addition to be the lead host. Uh, Denied. And not only is Cy here, we have a fantastic
0: guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I would love to introduce you to Brian Miller. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Hi, Brian.
2: Yeah, glad to do it.
0: Yeah. Brian is a a stand-up comedian in Minneapolis and just such a fantastic writer and such a funny, funny human being. Uh, Thrilled to have you on today. Um, Now, what we do is we tell a story about you know how we met, how we know each other, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff. Cyrus, I'm going to let you go first.
1: Well, yeah, cuz we've all known each other for a 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. We've done uh, shows together like literally a week that week together. Well, yeah, one the time. three of us. The three of us, yeah. 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 Uh well, I would like to uh, Brian is is one of my good friends, um and he's also not just a uh, stand-up, he's a talented uh fiction writer uh and yes. a, a let's uh, I was going to say journalist, but I don't think journalist is the right word. You've done, you, a uh, critic, a lot of movie critic. And for a while, early on, you wrote stand-up uh, previews for City Pages. I can, <laughs> this look on his face because he knows what stories. because Brian and I have become close. Uh, but for a year and a half before we became friends, I wanted to push him into a fire inside a shark's mouth. for so detailed for the pettiest of reasons but (laughs) i when i was starting stand-up at acme the first week they hired me to do ever was with the chad dad and that's me and andy erickson and andy erickson and the concept was we were two new comics starting our career so this was our first week at acme and chad as the grizzled and and at that point chiseled veteran crafty veteran yep yep you were going to tell we would open the show and then you would tell stories from the road and That's it, right. wasn't stand-up. it wasn't my
0: stand up it wasn't my stand up it was just it was kind of like this it was like the the genesis of this podcast it was i was just telling funny stories that happened on the road but they weren't written out bits or anything like that
1: i forgot about that part yeah and Brian was the person writing the go-see-it for City Pages. And he did the nice-not-nice nice compliment thing, where he wrote, this is the direct phrase, and it's, this is so fucking pathetic <laughs> that this is still in my brain.
2: This is the last thing you're going to remember before you die. You're going to be muttering this to your grandchildren. <laughs> oh, Brian Miller gave me a
1: compliment that wasn't satisfactory. And then you'll shuffle off. <laughs> He wrote, and I was very sensitive. Uh, <laughs> I was. he had yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote, beneath his frat boy looks lies surprisingly surreal material. Which, Brian has such a nice way of words, but that's literally like, beneath his empty shell somehow <laughs> lies... A clever phrase or two.
0: And <laughs> no, I don't I don't agree with that at all because everybody knows when a when a handsome person steps on stage or a you know the beautiful woman steps on stage, it's like you automatically think, oh, they're using this as a stepping stool to act yes. and it's gonna be fucking mind-numbing.
2: Yeah, and even when good looking people are usually funny sometimes. There's some very funny good looking people. It's usually not like right. surreal and weird. It's usually just like uh you know it's usually just like more straightforwardly delivered and and sai was uh, uh what well, you're like you're like 21 and a half or something no, you're you're older than that you were like 26 you were prime out of college and you're I, t- I was
1: i was probably 23 yeah and your old
2: material 24. was honestly much weirder than your new material like it was real different yeah. but it was very surreal i mean chop up that donkey was the one that always stuck in my head
1: yeah, that was yeah. When I when I started before uh, I got the fun drilled out of me, yeah, I was writing jokes, eight minute jokes about a, an alligator going on trial, and motivational speakers whose catchphrases was chop up that donkey. And I'm sure in this podcast situation, we're gonna say, oh, what a nice compliment. But I'm gonna tell you, it hurt me then, and I put it up. Yeah, I, I like I because at that time. You have to remember, at, at Acme, I was different than everybody else. Because all the young, all, everybody was really alternative mm-hmm. and interesting and unique, like Brooks Robinson and Tommy Ryman. And I walk up there like this big fucking oaf that looks like I just came from Lifetime Fitness. And I was really <laughs> proud of my material. So when you wrote that, even though you kind of said something nice about my material, I fucking like put that on the wall like I was some fucking hard knock boxer who nobody (laughs) gave a choice and i was like someday i'm gonna kill his whole family
2: (laughs) i'll say this i i I still think you were way oversensitive about it but i will say this frat boy is the wrong
1: i should have there's some. there's a better way to say no i understand that's what triggered me because also i i had gone because i was just coming out of like mental health stuff and ocd and a college run where, like, I lived with my grandma and then my sister. And, like, I didn't drink. I fucking hated frat guys. And yeah. then I finally found this art I love. <laughs> and here came this fucking squeege at the city pages. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we've gone on to be uh, lifelong friends. And I can't, I fucking cannot wait uh, for you to tell these stories. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, Cause Let me tell you what beneath beneath those bookworm looks of yours lies surprisingly interesting stories here's the thing though
2: that's true of me too and i've had to come to accept that because i used to fight against the oh he looks like a nerd thing and i do look like a nerd and i am a little bit of a nerd but not i'm not like a lord of the rings nerd i'm not you know like i I know you're more of a
1: literature nerd
2: yeah yeah i'm kind of an old-fashioned weirdo more than a nerd
1: Brian and I had this moment. We were doing a podcast together like four years ago, and we the show ended, and somehow we started talking about sitcoms on the show, and the conversation mm-hmm. carried after the show. And I just looked at him, and I was like, we seem like the sort of people who might... One of our favorite shows would be The Office, and the other would be Frasier, and that's exactly the fucking situation. <laughs> like, yeah. that is... Yeah. That is, that is the descriptive through sitcoms. I am... The Office and Brian is Fraser. But yeah, we've gone too far on this. Chad, Dad, take this show out of my hands before I do what I do with every guest episode, which is detouring. Well,
0: I actually remember when you read that review and you were so frustrated, you slammed your jacket down on the couch and then uh, a bottle of Rohypnol fell out. And I was like, oh, well, I guess frat boy does apply here. Now we need to talk about this. Because I know Rohypnol doesn't help OCD, but I do know what it does. It fucking makes drinks taste funny there, Cosby. Yeah, I was so um,
1: angry. I When I shot the semen, I missed the cookie that <laughs> night. I, saw, I, I was fucking furious.
0: No, I have a completely different experience with Brian because he wrote uh, a bio for me because I, I, I loved his way with words and... and you know, reading his stuff in the city pages and everything, and he he wrote a bio for me, and it was so good I couldn't use it all, <laughs> because I because I secretly hate parts of me. And so when what I read it, I was joke. like, what? you
1: want to talk about frat boy looks? Young young Chad looked like looked like he should be in a store window getting fucking you know with women outside diddling themselves. Chad was Chad was frat boy good looking before he put on that hat and beard."
2: Well, I don't know if you remember when we all did that week together at Acme, Sarah, the old manager, we were all like standing at the bar and Sarah walked past and she goes, Oh, it's cocky white asshole. week." <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't remember that, but dude, Sarah's funny. Sarah came with us to Hong Kong when we did that documentary and yeah. she was just lights out funny the whole trip. She's so funny.
2: Yeah. Great. man, Great. Man.
0: Yeah. So normally, uh, when there's a guest on, I do an obnoxious morning. Ra- hey, everybody this is moving the morning, but I'm not going to do that to you today because size here. And I don't no, want him come to on, lose his We're going to miss
1: it. <laughs> oh,
0: fuck off. So, uh, I read your list and I am fascinated by all three stories. <laughs> so I don't even want to lead you. I just want you to tell these stories in any order you want and however you want. Now just know you will get interrupted. Yeah, of course. But I am, uh, I'm, these stories i mean they look i'm fascinated (laughs)
1: i'll get i'll give him i can lead him on the first one because when i called him to ask him to be on the show i was like you know just bring some of your favorite stories and we've got a really great audience you know just you know think of what you think might be good and put it on the show and he goes "Uh, well and then he said the following like one sentence from the first story he's going to tell and i was like yeah, you're going to be fine. <laughs>
2: it is a tantalizing So not, now
1: that we've overhyped it and he can't live yeah. up to it, why don't you fucking dive your little bookworm ass
2: into it? It is a sweet setup because it is a, the true story is that my grandfather is the answer to an unsolved mystery. And I don't mean like a lowercase u, lowercase m unsolved mystery. Like, oh, I wonder. I mean like Robert Stack introduced a mystery that was not solved. That my grandpa solved, because he was the answer. Uh, you, guys, you guys remember Unsolved Mysteries? For everybody who doesn't know, quick primer: there was a show on TV. It
0: was on like CBS or ABC. It's very popular. It was called Unsolved Mysteries, and Robert Stack. It was they were so unsolved that they got you excited about solving a mystery by a, a fog machine oh yeah smoking up under the words unsolved mystery
2: well and robert stack would always step out of the fog to introduce the show but he walked in places where there was like like where were you behind the fog it's just like a field and then he just like <laughs> steps into a road and you're like what were you doing there before you <laughs> it, was, it was not
0: good is there a more enigmatic where you just step out of fog i want to start stepping out of fog and asking people questions
2: yeah and, and he had a trench coat on which you know could go the wrong direction but he was trusted because he was on the show the untouchables so this was <laughs> right. an untouchable trench coat not a please touch me trench coat it was, it was sort of a different thing and uh, so people people loved robert stack and the, the 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 best the genius of unsolved mysteries right they would do three different mysteries in an episode they'd be about 10 minutes each or whatever and and then then at the very end though robert stack would always say if you or anyone you know as in the information leading to the, blah, you know, the, the <laughs> finding of D.B. Cooper. And sometimes it would be D.B. Cooper and sometimes it would be like some money disappeared from a bank in Kansas. Sure. Like they, they had real
0: range on the uncertainty. Oh, history. shit. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. Wasn't it the deal where he started doing this because his son went missing? No, that was John no, that's Walsh the most from wanted. Uh, America's Most Wanted. Oh, okay. Adam right. Walsh get,
2: was yeah, Adam Walsh to... was like the kid who like I think his kidnapping was the one that led them to put kids on milk cartons. You know, they would put the okay. Are you missing? I think he was the original milk carton kid. Um, but yeah, Adam Walsh going missing, and then John Walsh founded horrible. the group and then started America's Most
0: Wanted. Okay, gotcha, um, gotcha.
1: Yet somehow Nancy Grace's partner gets murdered, and all she does with it is play judge and jury on national television for people who haven't yet been convicted. Oh yeah. Why do she, I have a vendetta against Nancy? They but?
2: get like they get like worse with each iteration. Like John Walsh started off like pretty like well meaning at least, although I don't think he did a lot of people favors. Call a narc on your neighbors. Because it starts off Adam Walsh is missing, and pretty soon it's like, this guy sold cocaine. Does he live in the apartment next to you? Like that's how they always <laughs> I mean, do. Yeah.
0: That's how it always happens. I remember playing hockey growing up and you would be at an outdoor rink for practice. And and you you'd practice on Saturday before the game. Mm-hmm. And now kids are practicing six days a week. Yeah. I mean, or like Joey Tribbiani on Friends. He started off kind of dumb. Mm And then by the last season, he was a full-blown fucking idiot.
1: Everything spirals to, to a worse version Absolutely. of itself. Or kind of like this yeah. podcast. We started out telling stories, and now we just turn on the mic and do Southern voices for 40 minutes and then go take a nap. <laughs> hey, man,
0: I don't know what you're talking about. But anyway, I don't know what you're on. talking
1: about. Let's go. No, I don't know what you're talking Let about. Let me tell you what, I have no clue what it is that you're currently talking about. <laughs> you became a different you know Southern what, that, guy. That, that was what's fun. You actually transitioned accent?
2: from one Southern guy to another guy <laughs> from the same town. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, we don't like Nancy Grace, John Walsh is a narc bitch, and we're on Unsolved Mysteries. Robert Stack was just a paid... I think, you
2: know, no one could have known... Oh, by the way, the other one was Rescue 911. That was the counterpart, which was William Shatner telling you right. the stories of, like, bad things that happened to people while they played the actual 911 tapes. Under the guise <laughs> right. of, like, 911 awareness, which was actually a thing in the 80s. Remember that? When it was like, yeah. everybody... Nine one one. It was such a big important thing. So, um, uh, so rubber stack. Uh, but sometimes on unsolved mysteries, they would get kind of out there. Like sometimes it would be really small stuff, but sometimes it would be like, does Bigfoot exist or something? They they would go kind of, <laughs> kind of wild, and uh, they would do theme episodes. And one year they did a theme episode right around Christmas that was like miracles and angels or something like that, kind of holiday theme, kind of spiritual. Theme, Love it, right? And so on this holiday spiritual themed episode, it was a really big deal because my grandparents' friends were going to be on the show. And this story, this will also be an important detail to a story I tell later, but uh, I'm from a town of about 5,000 people. That's where I like went to grade school. That's where most of my family lives. It's a very
0: small town. You know, since you have an aside here, I'd like to hop in and say, should we start doing themed episodes? Yeah. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. Listeners?
2: You tell us. That's true. You can do different <laughs> different guests, different themes. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot. Yeah. We'll call Robert Stack. He'll set you up. Trust me. <laughs> so, uh, it was, but it was a huge deal. No one, when you're from a town that small, like, it's a big deal to hear a town that you know of mentioned on a TV show. Like, once sure. you live in a city, you get used to, like, oh, Mary Tyler Mortimer sit here, or, you know, whatever. But, like, yeah. when you're in these tiny towns, it was like, if, if they mentioned Springfield, Illinois, this was in Southern Metropolis, Illinois, you'd be like, oh, my God, they mentioned Springfield? on LA law. We're famous now. Like, so it was a huge (laughs) deal that my grandparents' friends were going to be on the episode and they, and so not only are they going to be on TV, but they are or have an unsolved mystery, which is itself pretty interesting. That's yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, so it's a big deal. So, so because it's kind of a thing, we're all going to go watch it at my grandparents' house. I mean, we all live very close together. It's a small town, so it was like me okay. and my mom and my dad and my aunt and uncle, my grandma and grandpa, there's probably eight or nine people in the living room sitting gathered around the TV, watching unsolved mysteries, waiting for, uh, these, I can't remember their names, waiting for this nice old couple to come on. And, uh, the nice old couple comes on and they're really nice. And the story the nice old couple tells on unsolved mysteries is they're, they're very hard luck, you know, classic, you know, moved to Florida, fixed income, you know, mm-hmm. middle-class people sure. trying to like grind out their retirement. And, uh, they, this, this homeless guy came to their door asking for work and they, they didn't really have any work for him but the lady like baked him some some food and he made some sandwiches and they made him a nice food bag and they gave him some clothes that they thought would fit him and they just you know they just sort of helped him out as best they could even though they have very limited sure. means and they sent him on his way and then a few months later right before Christmas they got a cashier's check in the mail for I think it was a thousand dollars or maybe two thousand dollars. And then every year after that, right around Christmas, they would get another anonymous cashier's check for like $2,000. So at the end of the story, Robert Stack comes on and he's like, could it be some benevolent Christmas miracle worker is testing people to see their faith or could it? Could it be the guardian angel, you know, like they, they want to play this up, you know, and, and even if you or anybody, you know, has any information about the guardian angel or whatever. And so we're watching this and like the people are on TV and we're all happy. And then my grandpa, my grandpa's just sitting back there and he's just, he's like, oh, bullshit. He's just so irritated. And he's a nice, he's a nice old man. And he's just so annoyed. And I was like, what's up with grandpa? And my, my grandma's like, oh, your grandpa, he gets that way. And, and and I never really found out why he was so mad until many years later, after he died. My mom's like, "Oh, I guess now that he's dead, I can tell you." And I was like, "What's that?" So my grandpa knew this old guy from Florida because uh, they were in the Navy together, and they like saw serious combat in the Pacific, and they were really close. And my grandpa was a really charitable guy. He owned a funeral home, and but he genuinely believed that charity should never be known. It should always be purely anonymous. So, like, when he would see women whose, like, husbands would die or whatever, uh, he, he knew because he was a funeral director, he would make a list and then he would drive around and he would anonymously give them money, like, checks and stuff in the mail because he didn't want anyone to know it was him. He, yeah. just, he was just a really great dude, but he, like, he truly hated, like, showy charity. He was, like, an old-school, <laughs> hardcore World War II dude. And he knew that his friend would never take money that he sent them he knew it would you know they were these world war ii buddies they were you know you don't take money you don't take charity you know but he knew the guy was struggling and so just because this is what he did he sent this guy an anonymous cashier's check and he had no idea it, just because the guy was a nice person through sheer coincidence he had <laughs> helped a homeless guy so then my grandfather just made, decided to make it a habit every year. And the reason the check came on the same day is because it was on my grandpa's to-do list on his like calendar. It was up, like every like December 10th, he's like, oh, got to send that check. And he would send a check. And he did it every year for like seven years. But then when he saw it on Unsolved Mysteries, he was so irritated that his friend believed in guardian angels. He stopped sending the checks. <laughs> he was like, no more. And that's why he was just... Furious. He just he couldn't believe that this guy believed in guardian angels. He was like, We saw combat in the Pacific. Like we've seen things. He's like,
0: you think Oh, that's so great. (laughs) I I like to think that this homeless guy is getting all of this credit for being (laughs) a guardian angel and and paying it back. And he and the homeless guy is actually like, oh, these sandwiches they made me should get me one town away to that family I wanted to marry <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's a completely other side of unsolved mysteries that the homeless guy is the answer. And your grandpa's just like, fuck
1: this. I'm sure you loved your grandpa a lot because that's what grandpas are for. Uh, but uh, loving. Uh, but. Are you kind of upset that you missed out on an all-time call someone on their convictions bullshit opportunity where it's like, wait, you hate, like, you insist on this not being known. And I know that you didn't want it to be a guardian angel, but you couldn't handle that the credit was going somewhere. Like, he didn't want the credit to go to himself, but no, he didn't you had an credit. opportunity. He, just, he, he thought it was, like, uncool.
2: He was like, so if he's like, if you really think this is a guardian angel... You're gonna pimp it out to be on robert stack's nbc show like kind of like the the, the way the giving charity like the miracle of giving should be private like don't be showing about the fact receiving. that you get it because you think god chose you because you gave a guy a sandwich like it just like irritated him at like a
0: moral level it just drove him crazy how much did it irritate you when you got a thousand dollars after he died and you're like, where the fuck's all this money? <laughs> he owned a funeral home. People have been dying every day since he bought the fucking place. Totally separate uh, charitable story about my grandpa. That's very fast, which is uh,
2: he he and a buddy cause small town. So basically anybody who died in this town, this is the funeral home you wind up in. And it's, it's the, he owned the one, right? <laughs> so, so he knew everybody in town. And one day he was at a funeral for some, I don't even know who it. he was with his old buddy about his same age and he's talking to the guy and the guy jokes out well one of these days you know I'm just gonna drop dead here in the funeral home and I'll save you the trouble of transporting me to the to the morgue or whatever and my grandpa jokingly said to him if you do that I'll do it for free. And then like 10 years later, no kidding, <laughs> at a funeral for a very close loved one, this guy who in great emotional distress, literally George Jefferson still grabs his chest. <laughs> I'm coming Rebecca, and he collapses and he dies in my grandpa's funeral home, face down on the carpet during another funeral. And so then the, the, the lady, the, the widow comes to my grandpa to like, you know, well, I got to square up for the funeral. And then grandpa's like, no, this is free. And he tells her the story and she's like well obviously that was a joke and he was like look i don't want to mess with any universal thing but he's like i said this was going to be free and he died here we're, we're, we're doing this square we're, we're calling it a watch and he did the funeral yeah for free. If that
1: guy gets if that guy gets a job running one of the doors in heaven and your grandpa charges his widow for the funeral after they made that deal because
2: yeah. he was like what are the chances like no one has ever died in the funeral home
0: before it's like this never happened you know oh that's funny yeah he gets up there and they're just like oh it says here you do, uh number one you don't believe in guardian angels <laughs> <laughs> and number two you don't keep your fucking word yeah so exactly. guess what he was just trying to keep also on listeners word. we don't we don't want your messages we already told you brian is a fraser guy clearly not a jeffersons or sanford and sons is a, yeah so listen you're right <laughs> yeah our our listeners will find the smallest the the smallest error and then all of a sudden it's all we hear about for two weeks <laughs> i'm my i'm so loving i the like fact to get that, ahead of
1: it i'm loving the fact that brian mentioned guardian angels because he's about to get some paragraphs from listeners about their experiences <laughs> <laughs> send them oh, his about, way everybody
0: you're about to get the full fucking lyrics from an alabama song <laughs>
1: Oh, I believe (laughs) Believe there are angels among us. This is a bummer of a show. The fact that we just both pulled that off the way we did is that's a bummer.
2: I know a lot of (laughs) Alabama songs, but not that one. I'm happy about it. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) I saw Alabama
1: when they were all in their, I don't know, early hundred and teens at Wii Fest (laughs) in like 2012. (laughs) Worst show. I would have rather have seen the state, the whole state <laughs> of Alabama, put on a concert.
0: Uh, WeFest. Here's a story about WeFest. There's their camp. So this is a country music festival, if you don't know, and it is in northern Minnesota. It's about an hour from where I live, a place called Sioux Pass Ranch. And at one of the campgrounds one year, someone painted a bowling ball to look like just like
1: a soccer ball. did I tell this story <laughs> on the show? Oh, you did? I think I did. I think I told you this story. Yeah. No. Keep going. No. I. heard the story because everyone came separately.
0: Every everyone came back and they were like, "His foot didn't even look like a foot. (laughs) It shattered. It had all the bones were exploded." That I was there for that.
1: Did you paint the soccer ball? That sounds like something you do. No, I did not. Come on, don't you put that on me?
0: I will put that. That
1: is a genius prank. Do you know, because it's, it's where my, WeFest is from, you know, one, it's in Detroit Lakes, which is where my dad grew up. Do, do, do you know why it's called WeFest? I assumed it was something stupid where, like, there'll be a lot of us. Hey, <laughs> like, what about us-fest? lot of us-fest. No, that ain't, that ain't going to do it.
0: The W in the East do, right? and the E paper or something, right? Unless it's the first letters of Western, so it's like Western Festival, I don't West, know. Oh,
1: yeah, Western Festival. But that but I sense. but I
2: honestly don't. So know That spelled O O-U-I, U um, I the French
0: way? Ah, oh, We Fest. Yeah. We, oh, We
1: We <laughs> Fest. What about uh, Them Fest? Well, no, because we don't want none of them coming around. It's us. <laughs> well, we already crossed Us Fest off the list.
0: I just looked up that soccer ball story, and uh, the person that they they blame for painting the soccer ball, guardian angel. <laughs> It's, it's an, it's another unsolved mystery. It is an unsolved mystery. I guess no one knows who
2: painted the soccer ball, right? I
1: believe that man limps around concerts. (laughs) Oh, I'm not doing this. Are you sure?
0: Uh, Brian, can you tell another story before Psy keeps singing? Well, the Alabama thing actually is
2: a, a good mood music for it. Um, uh, because I, I mentioned I come from a town of about 5,000 people, and when people are like, "How small? Like how?" Because so-? people don't really know where the South is. As weird as that sounds, everyone thinks the South is Alabama. I'm like, No, no, no. The South stretches way up into Missouri, right? The, the South. Right. The South is a lot of places, you know. But the Southern Illinois is the South, and people are like,
1: "I would, I would argue, I would argue Southern Illinois, southwestern Indiana, mm-hmm. southeastern Ohio." And northern Kentucky are about as south as South gets. I
2: completely agree.
1: There's something about this area where you're like, this is more Mississippi than Mississippi.
0: Yeah, and this this is something I've said on stage before, but it's like, you live in a state that touches a lake that touches Canada. Get the fucking accent out of your mouth, (laughs) dumb
2: dicks. Yeah, and then the, the, the Southern Illinois accent sounds way more like a Kentucky accent. Then you know the top mm-hmm. of Illinois is that weird Chicago thing heading into Milwaukee. It's like it's a
0: weird state. Yeah. And southern Illinois is really like a separate state from northern Illinois. It's really too too. It, it is it is crazy because you go to the top and it's like, uh, hey guys, thanks for coming to Chicago. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. just gonna go up there and and then you go down. And it's like oh hey y'all listen. <laughs> it's like yeah no. We're in the In, same. in one
1: six-hour car drive, you go from. Ah, yeah, state. I played minor league baseball, and now my wife and I <laughs> live in an apartment, and you know we don't get along great to. Oh, she she better get along great. Yeah. That's a six-hour drive.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, it's pretty wild. And uh, so when people, are, what I say from the south, from the south, people are often a little skeptical, and I always say, well, well if I'm not from the south, how come my stepmom's teeth came in the mail? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, my I, I've suffered for many years under my but under my dad's romantic inclinations. My dad, uh, which could be a different kind of story, but it's not that kind of story. My dad has just just bad taste in ladies and just a bad time with women, and uh, I've been there for it. You know, he's married to my mom for a long time, <laughs> that went pretty well, and they got divorced. And after that, he, he had a hard time and he met this lady at the Elks Club. She was the bartender at the Elks Club, and that's kind of was his hell yeah yeah
1: my dad's an elk hell yeah yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah so I, used to, I used to drink oh I didn't drink I used to hang out at the Elks you know play shoot a little pool with the other kids while our dad's pounded brewskis at the uh underneath yeah. all the
0: deer heads and whatnot you you know what's a bummer about marrying the bartender from the <laughs> Elks Club though you have to listen to all your friends tell you about how they fucked Uh um yes <laughs> that is a hundred percent accurate story it's also you know I mean, uh, yes uh, uh, yeah it's absolutely true I mean it's like a it's like a who got her first fast at the <laughs> wedding it's like,
2: a, hey, you guys see that doormat I walked across on the way through the room? It's like, yeah, guess what? Everybody did on
1: our way into the bar. Yeah. At the wedding, instead of at the dollar dance, they just, just all your friends from the bar come up and give just like, I should give you 20 for what I did to her.
2: <laughs> well, I'll just, I, I hate, to, I hate to, to shit on your premise, but the wedding uh, occurred in Las Vegas and they were married by a guy dressed as Elvis. So that uh, there was, there was no traditional ceremony. That
0: really ruins it. That really ruins it. Yeah. <laughs> I love he, he walks in. He's just like, you see my wife's bangs. They are looking sharp tonight. And then other guys just like, yeah, that's my jizz. In the
2: <laughs> I, she was a rough lady. And here's the thing I realized when I was like later on, because when you're like eight, you don't think of this. But when you're like older, you're like, wait a minute. If you marry the bartender at the place that you go to drink, when you're having a bad time, you can't. Now you have nowhere to go when you're having a bad time. That's it. You're yeah. you're done. Everywhere you go, you're having a bad time. And this didn't last very long, by the way. This was a couple of year mistake. And then uh, you know, it, it, it became rather clear
0: that this was a poor choice. Um I just I, I see him walking in and he's just like, Hey, can I get a beer? Not from you <laughs> yeah. Not from you. <laughs> Not right now.
2: It was funny he like was ever like a big drinker, but he like quit drinking. He didn't really drink after that. And I like I honestly think he was like, Well, I can't go to the Elks anymore. I guess I'm just I guess I'm just a soda pop guy now. <laughs> I'm just going to go sit on the porch and smoke. Um, but um, but but this lady, Cheryl, was her name. She was she was a very mean lady. She was very, very crazy. And um, uh, far away, the craziest thing about her was that she decided she needed to get new teeth. But she saw this commercial on TV that said you could get dentures in the mail. Uh, and they were much cheaper than regular dentures. It. Here's the thing about getting dentures in the mail is there's a couple of parts that you kind of can't do via mail. You know, uh, sure. and the, the number one thing is that you can't have any teeth in your head when you get said dentures. So <laughs> wow, wow, oh my here, here's God. how teeth in the mail work was you, you, you send away if your teeth in the mail kit and your teeth in the, the you, a, a brick of clay, a, a big, it looks like a styrofoam brick kind of thing shows up in this box.
0: I had to do that, uh, for my feet. Cause last year I had plantar fasciitis real bad. Mm-hmm. So, so your stepmom got teeth. Like I got inserts for my shoes. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. It's the yeah. same, right? You make an
2: impression of your foot. Now we have yep. this like custom thing. Well, we, to make dentures, you got to make a custom impression of your mouth. So, but she, she she had teeth, by the way. She had like bad teeth, but like, she, she, you know, she wasn't a toothless person, but that's the thing about dentures, right? There's no middle ground. So the first thing she has to do is go to this dentist <laughs> who pulls every single tooth out of her head. Oh, uh, fuck But that. like once, once all the teeth have been pulled out of your head, Woof. that takes a while to recover from. So you can't just go get your dentures. So there's like a period where she's just toothless and like in recovery with like literally no teeth in her head.
0: I I guarantee one of your dad's friends is like, uh, wish I would've waited (laughs) for for her to suck my There's no way those jokes weren't made. I would, I would bet $10,000 on this. So then yeah, for
1: sure. One night she heats up. It's time. It's time for the impression. Did she lose her job? Because I assume she's the sort of bartender if she was working at the Elks that she cracks the bottles with her teeth.
2: <laughs> you know, she quit That's... working as soon as she got married. I think mean, she, she retired from Elks bartending. Smart girl. Smart. Yeah. And uh, so she puts the... I remember being there. She put the, the clay thing in the oven and, and, and puts it on like 125 degrees or whatever. And then she takes it out. And then she just opens this like big, ragged, red, toothless maw. And just you just bite into it as deep and as far as you can and if you like leave your mouth in it for like 30 seconds or whatever and then you take it out and it's all slobbery and you put it back on the cookie sheet and you put it back in the (laughs) oven and then you turn it up to like 250 and you gotta like bake it into like it's like hardened form or whatever then you take it out and then you put it back in the box you wrap the box up you put it in the mail here's the thing mail or dentures don't come the next day or the next week in fact it's like a 12-ish week process. So now you've got this like solid three-month span of just absolute toothlessness. Uh, and so for three months, every single night, we had pureed chicken, mashed potatoes, and canned green peas. That was what was on tap.
0: Uh, I bet you were pretty f- smelt at that point yeah you you, you get pretty tightened up on
2: that you know on the on the mashed <laughs> chicken diet like, like i don't know you could mash chicken you can mash chicken if you're really really determined part of me was like why are we sure mashing can. our chicken why is it all mashed you could either like <laughs> chewing tobacco you do like put a plug of chicken under your jaw and then just like go do some errands
1: the yeah i as somebody who had a tooth pulled like a tooth hmm and was pretty dramatic about it. I can't imagine. <laughs> Did you not like the review that just gave of your tooth? Yeah, losing every <laughs> single fucking yikes. That's a that's a real yikes for me. Yeah. He
0: just leans over and he's like, "Well, you're not going to look like a frat boy anymore." no <laughs>
2: no <laughs> I gotta say though, I was really excited when that box showed back up because that meant we were back to shake and bake. You know, like we got a little crisp back in the chicken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you got something chewable. You oh, it was true. It it's
0: huge.
2: I was like, we didn't have as many popsicles around anymore, but you know.
0: I love, I love how you sent your stories to us because sometimes when we get stories, kind of the the surprise is written in there, mm-hmm. and yours has not been written in there, <laughs> and so that is why I am. I mean, I'm overly excited <laughs> for the next story. <laughs> Because I'm wondering what the surprise is here,
1: and uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting antsy. All right, let me tee it up. Hey Brian, you went to a, you went to a small town trash school like Chad and I. How is <laughs> yes, was that Experience did. for you?
2: <laughs> it was so. This was a, this was a, a little farther. I, I, we moved to a slightly bigger town, so I went to like okay. a, a pretty. I, I bet about the same size school you went to. You know, my graduating class was mm-hmm. like maybe 200 people. Um, yep. That's but you know, 20. it was still a small town, so it was the full range experience, you know. And uh, we had a lot of we had a lot of criminals in our class. Uh, my friend Eric killed his parents with a shotgun. Uh, what? Yeah, Wait, yeah. what? In seventh grade. He was sitting next to me. At PE. Eric Phillips killed his. his was his dad and stepmom with a shotgun, and then went on the land with his girlfriend Bonnie and Clyde and, style. That's
1: not the story. That's just a thing. That's that not the fucking story. What are you talking about? <laughs> a seventh grader. He probably did. Eric he take Phillips a car? probably got
0: so got so sick of listening to his dad's friends talking about how they fucked his stuff <laughs> that he was just like I'm done I can't listen to this anymore. Yeah, he said next So a P.
1: kid a kid that you went to 7th grade with and sat next to blasted his parents with a shotgun and then took his 7th grade girlfriend and fled in a vehicle question mark? Yes,
2: absolutely. Well, they were they were caught a couple of states away, kind of Bonnie and Clyde style.
1: Was that like the biggest story in your town's history forever? You know, what's weird. The bigger the story, the less people talked about it. Like people would talk endlessly about the white. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? But like whenever something real happened, like it would like like there was this other girl who ran off with this pedophile to Florida and then they had to like send the FBI back to bring her back. And then it was just weird because like she'd been living with this pedophile in Florida for like three months and it was national news.
1: And then she's just like,
0: I'm back in math class.
1: And it was real strange.
0: I think what's real strange
1: is neither of those things are on your fucking list of stories. (laughs) Yeah, what the fuck is happening? You know, I'll, I'll get to this story that's on my list here, but we had a kid named Ricky who got four teachers pregnant and then hung himself in the principal's basement. Well, you know, it's normal small town stuff, so we didn't talk about it a bunch. But so, okay, so, but I wasn't involved in those. You know, that was just stuff I witnessed from, from the side. That's fair. I, those aren't Brian's stories.
2: They, right, so that's why uh, this one, the the this school story was probably more, which was, I mean, someone, someone dies, if that makes you feel better. Someone doesn't survive this. A teacher doesn't make it to the end of the story.
1: I mean, it doesn't make me feel better, but it raises the stakes <laughs> to the level of the previous stories. There will be a corpse at the end of the story. There will be an innocent <laughs> oh, victim. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, don't worry. If you have any, if you or anyone <laughs> you know have any information, <laughs> well, I, I know who killed, uh, I know who killed Mr. Fred. And, uh, I technically I was part of the
2: group, but, um, it, I, I don't think I was, I don't think it, I don't, I don't carry personal blame for what happened to Mr. Fred. Uh, so I was in this class in, uh, in eighth grade, I was in this class. It was two years, a year after Eric Phillips killed his parents, I was in this class and it was just like, <laughs> thank
1: you for timelining it. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, but a year before the girl ran off to Florida, if that helps. Uh, so, uh, so it was one of those classes where, like, I just remember showing up to that day, you know, you have, like, six classes or whatever, and this is my, like, social studies class. And I just walked in the room, and I was like, every criminal from the school is in this class, along with me and my friend Dave. It was just, like, every everybody in there had been to juvie. Like, all, multiple kids in that class already had their own kids. we were eighth grade. This was, like, none of these kids are making it to high school. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think half of those kids made it to the end of high school. It was, like, the pretty gritty. Part of me thinks that, like, the... Um, the, the guidance counselor who makes up the schedule was like look let's just make one class really bad and then all the rest of them can be okay and somehow me and dave got put in this class and so not only was almost everyone in the class a criminal but the teacher was also a criminal uh which we didn't know at the time we would only find that out later i'll, I'll just say his name is mr c because i think he's back i think he's out of, i'm sure he's out of jail now so since mr c's out of jail i don't want to i don't know what he's up to now i liked mr c despite his criminal inclinations <laughs> Um, and Mr. C was it, clearly insane, and and he hated kids, and, and he would do this weird thing where he took two weeks off of, like, what you're supposed to study, and he would teach us his philosophy, and for two weeks, we, like, learned this elaborate philosophy that he had, like, heavily written out and annotated, which was, like, combination of, like, self-help statistics and weird mathematic equations and, like... I wish I had my notes from that class for reasons. That Me too. Would, yeah, I, I really do. Because I remember I remember at the time, the kid being like, I think he's on to something. I think he's got it, you know? I remember thinking, like, this is important stuff, you know? And so Mr. C was out for a little while and uh, for, like, a few days. And so they gave us this substitute teacher named Mr. Fred. And uh, Mr. Fred looked like Mr. Belvedere if he had suffered some oxygen deprivation for a little while. Like, he was a little old man in a bow tie and a suit in a pretty rough school class you know and then he like had a little bit of a speech impediment he moved a little slow maybe he had like a stroke or something
1: at some point <laughs> is mr F- is fred his first or last name oh is he definitely Jeff his fred? first name for sure oh so he's one of those fucking creeps like yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm mr tommy you're like yeah, all right yeah, well keep yeah. your fingers away from my asshole you weirdo well, he was
2: like a really sweet old man but he was like like total pushover
1: Oh, so he was old enough that the Mister Fred made. Sense. He was old, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like. Yeah, in you don't want to be like thirty-eight years. and go call me Mister Fred.
0: No, and you know, you know. What? Yeah, because then you're like, oh, thanks for sending our, our classmate back from Florida, after you lived with her, that was nice. Yeah. Of you, Mr. Fred. <laughs> <laughs> after that, you're
2: just Fred. I'm dropping the mystery. I'm not. I'm not giving you the honorific <laughs> right. at that point. Right. But you know, I don't know if, about you guys, but in my town, like it was so small, there were only so many substitute teachers. So as a kid, we had a pretty good intuition of, like, who the bottom of the barrel was because you would get a lot of the same substitutes across different classes in different years. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, this dude's going to wind up being a teacher. Or, like, this guy was, and he retired, but he, like, knows his stuff. And then sometimes it was like, oh, this is a this is an old man that they've sent to babysit us. And Mr. Fred was, like, <laughs> like good for little kids, but for, for he had no business uh, dealing with the older kids. He was just too old for it. But th- And this class of criminals just saw him come in, and it was just like – it's on, baby. And, like, you just knew you could do whatever you wanted. And people went, like, truly, like, Lord of the Flies. Like, the thing I remember (laughs) was, like, a chair flying over my head and crashing into the chalkboard and the chalkboard falling. I mean, it was, like, tearing stuff down... Holy almost shit. like
1: instant riots like it, this this was about five minutes school into the, the movie dangerous minds yeah fuck it, was, it, was like it,
2: it was it was it was it was like juvie because all these kids most of these kids had been to juvie or would soon go to juvie so there was kind of that mentality and people just immediately going to the teacher's desk just like just it's all on it's just it's yeah. full-on lord of the flies and mr fred gets up and he's like stammering i uh, but, but, and he's just like really beside himself he's like stammering and stuttering and he looks all whatever and he wanders out and and we're like mr fred's going to get the principal so now it's just like kids are like let's see how much stuff we can tear up before the principal gets here so now stuff's going starts going real wild they're really tearing stuff down because everyone's assuming we're screwed anyway and the principal's coming and me and dave are just sitting there riding it out but then like the principal doesn't like five minutes go by ten minutes go by and people like get tired of tearing stuff up
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> a certain, i'm exhausted a certain
2: point, they've already gone through a bunch of mr c's papers They've already, you know, we've already like torn, t- taken posters off the walls. They've rearranged, but they've already done all this like petty stuff. Re- you know, and it's kind of done and we're just sitting there and people just get bored. And then actually everybody sits down and gets really orderly because like there's nothing to rebel against. Like there's, we're just in this room. A couple of people just decided to leave, but most people yeah. needed to go to their next class. So they stayed. So we just stayed and then the bell rang and then we left. And then later on, a teacher came in and, to my next class and said, does anyone know where Mr. Fred is? Class was still empty. <laughs> well, it turns out that Mr. Fred uh, was like a pretty severe diabetic. And the stress reaction that he had to this no. class, like sent him into like a diabetic spell and nobody knew this. And he wandered out. And it was in the winter. and He wandered out onto the football field in the snow and sat down in the snow <laughs> And the snow fell on him for a while until somebody found him and he got pneumonia. And then three days later, he died. And it was so bad we didn't get punished.
0: No. <laughs> I have to tell you something. I take back that I want a corpse at the no, end of this little old too. man. I was Mr. little Mr. man to live. I absolutely thought it was going to be your criminal teacher, Mr. C. No, nope.
1: yeah, I need Mr. Fred to live. <laughs> Mr. Fred does not make it to the end of the story. Dude, and he clearly died right near Christmas time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Stop was I laughing so hard at this. <laughs> I mean, it's so awful. It really was. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. And actually, yeah, it was the worst thing I've ever seen this class like do. And it was so bad. Like They they like didn't know how to punish us. They, they, they like, there was no, because it was like nobody could prove any one That's person nuts. did anything. What did we do?
0: Right? No, you guys should all be in prison right now. Yeah, no, <laughs>
1: for sure. For sure. I can charge at least the kid who threw the chair. Yeah, I, I don't think know who that threw the you chair. guys. Send that guy to live in Florida with Mr. Pedophile.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to narrow it down in Florida. But... Yeah, no kidding. Hey, I have great news for everybody. I got to go.
1: Hey, I have terrible news for everybody. Chad left. Mr. Fred is dead, and I don't know what to do. Oh, I'll just throw it in real quick.
2: Mr. Mr. C by the way, it turned out all the all that philosophy he was telling us uh was basically the pitch that he gave to his Ponzi scheme. People and it turned out he'd been running an elaborate Ponzi scheme for years, and he went to jail for many years for white collar financial fraud. So he's the one person in that class that I know went to prison.
1: Jeepers fucking creepers, Brian! (laughs) You're we love your stand up. Where can people find your stuff? (laughs) I'm on Twitter uh,
2: at real Brian Miller, spelled with a Y. uh, Brian
1: Miller comedy. uh, Brian with a Y. And do you have Instagram too, right? I do. Yeah, funny Brian Miller on Instagram. That's right. Yeah. They love the Instagram. I know. So check Brian out in all those places. I know you can check Chad out on tour by going to his website uh, and seeing where he's at right now, and you can find me, you know, probably morning Mr. Fred until our next episode. <laughs> R.I.P. I, dude, I have to go. I have to go. <laughs> hey, if you guys like this, uh, there will be a new episode next Monday and every single Monday at 8 a.m., so click the subscribe button so your phone sends it to you without having to do any work.